Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Gelman Report. I'm your host, Ellie Gelman, and in today's episode, I'm going to be giving my reactions to game to these game ones that happened over the weekend. We had the beginning of the playoffs of the first round, eight uh, game ones, and I'm going to be giving you my thoughts on each individual game, and then I'm going to be giving you my predictions for the rest of the series. Uh, so yeah, let's just start off with the first game of the weekend, and that was the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Miami Heat. So this was the first game of the first round, um, early Saturday morning, and so the Milwaukee Bucks won this game 109 to 107 in overtime. The Bucks won by a clutch jump shot by their guard Chris Middleton, who. Uh, yeah, who uh, hit this shot with less than a second left and put the Milwaukee Bucks up for good. So just first thoughts, um, you know, as a if you are a Heat fan, I don't think you have to be worried that this series is over uh, because um, for a few reasons. One, you only lost by two, and you only lost by two in overtime. So that that is a that's a good feeling. Um, and second is that your two stars had probably their worst game of the whole season. You had Bam Adebayo, who shot 4 for 15 from the field, very unlike him, usually very efficient from the field. And then you had your even better player, your best player on the whole team. You had Jimmy Butler, who shot 4 for 22 from the field, um, 18% uh, to be exact. So that, you know, you don't like when your star players play like that, but when they do and you only lose by two in overtime, that's, that's telling me that you're, the rest of your team, um, you know, is very good. And, you know, that you, you don't really have a lot of things to be worried about because this type of performance from Jimmy is, you know, once, you know, in every season. Um, so that, that was, I guess you could say, a little encouraging as a Heat fan. One thing that I do think that I have to improve on is uh, defensively. They had three Bucks starters with 20-plus points. You had Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and, of course, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And then you had Brooke Lopez with 18. So allowing the starters to score, you know, Almost 80 points is not something that you want as a team that, you know, is supposed to be one of the best defensive teams in the league. Uh, but one thing that they did do well on the defensive side was guarding the three-point line. The Bucks made five three-pointers um, and shot 16% from the three. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, good to, guarding the, that's good guarding the three. But then if you go back to the Heat on the, on the offensive side, they made 20 threes and they lost. So they made 15 more threes than the Bucks did, but lost. So that that's showing that their defense was not really so great, you know, everywhere else on the court. Of course, they played great defense on the three-point line, but they're going to have to improve defensively, you know, in the paint in the mid-range area. Um, so I think that this game does go seven games. I think a lot of these first-round series are going to be very close. Um, starting off with this one, I think this one does go seven games, and I do think that the Bucks win. Um, I just don't think that the the that the Heat are the same team that they were last year. I know they have very similar roster and you know even some you know great additions, but I think the Bucks are different this year, and I really like um, Drew Holiday defensively, and he's been playing great offensively uh, recently. So I think that the Bucks do win this game, uh, do win this series in in seven games. Now moving on to the second game of a Saturday, and that was the. Dallas Mavericks versus the Los Angeles Clippers. So game one, the Dallas Mavericks won 113 to 103. So 
if I'm a Clippers fan and I was watching this game and I saw the box score and you know all that stuff, I would be very worried about you know this series and especially the future you know of this Clippers team. So just just to start off, the two stars of the team looked you know okay at best. So you know starting off with Kawhi Leonard, he had 26 points. That's you know what Kawhi does, but he shot it 22 times. Um, which is, you know, scoring 26 points in 22 uh, shot attempts is pretty inefficient and um, only shot 16% from three, which um, 16% is just terrible and had a negative 16 plus minus. So all around, looking at the box score, not such a great game. Then you move on to Paul George, who he had 23, but also an extremely inefficient shooting night with 8 for 18 and shot 25% from the three-point line with a negative 6 plus minus. So the two best players on the team um, scored a lot, but extremely inefficiently and um, had both negative plus minuses. And then just moving on to the rest of the Clippers roster, they just looked bad. They could not, uh, they couldn't guard anyone, and we're going to talk about the Mavericks um, in just a second. They couldn't guard anyone, and they, the whole team combined uh, shot a combined 27% from three. The only really highlight of that entire game as a Clippers fan was that crazy dunk that Kawhi Leonard had against Maxi Kleber or however, however you pronounce it, a crazy dunk, an amazing stare down uh, by those uh, by Kawhi, PG, and Marcus Morris. That was the highlight of the game in general and the highlight for the Clippers, but the Mavericks didn't end up winning. Um, and then, yeah, the Mavericks won, and they, of course, were led by Luka Doncic, who had a 31-point triple-double and, you know, surprisingly pretty efficient shooting-wise. Then you had, you know, the supporting cast who played well. Tim Hardaway and Jalen Brunson had both had, had both had very important um, points down the stretch in big games. Uh, they combined for 36 points, and Tim Hardaway hit five three point five three pointers. Um, and so, yeah, the, the the Mavericks looked really good. And I think this team, this Maverick team, is not the same team that it was last year. They got a few pieces back. They got you know Willie Cauley Stein is playing this. Uh, this time around, uh, Dwight Powell also, and I just I think that the Clippers are worse than last year, probably with the Lou Williams leaving and with um and with Montrez leaving, um and so the Clippers they thought they were going to get easy first round matchup. They ducked the Lakers by losing those last few games to meet this Mavs team. But again, this Mavs team is better than they what they were last year. I don't think, um. And I don't think that we see, you know, an easy matchup for these Clippers. I think this game goes seven games. Uh, but I do think that the Clippers figured out because they just have, you know, more talent. But yeah, seven-game series, very, very close. And I think that if the Clippers do lose this series, which is 100% a possibility, I think Kawhi Leonard is gone. Um, two After two years with, you know, stacked roster after stacked roster, not getting it done. If they don't win it this year or they don't at least make it to the finals, they are not a quiet and I don't think is going to be coming back to Los Angeles. Moving on to the third game, and that is the Brooklyn Nets versus the Boston Celtics. This is going to be a quick one. Uh, this Saturday, the or this past Saturday, the Nets beat the Celtics 104 to 93. This is not going to be really a competition. I think if the Celtics had won, then the series might have been more uh, competitive, but I think the series is over. The Celtics, I think, will win one game, but the Nets are just, they have too much firepower. They're just too good. KD, Harden, and Kyrie um, in their first playoff game altogether combined for 82 points. That's just unstoppable um, when the rest of the team scores 
uh, I think it was like 22 points or something, but just, you know, they couldn't stop those them three, which, you know, understandably. Um, and, you know, Tatum had a good game, but he's basically playing one-on-five there with Jalen Brown out. I do want to give credit uh, to the Celtics for playing uh, pretty good defensively um, for, you know, a half and, you know, for a half and a little bit. Uh, KD shot one for eight from three, um, and Harden and Kyrie shot two for eight from three. But besides that... Um, defensive effort that everything else was pretty mediocre. Kemba Walker couldn't hit a shot. Uh, what's his name? Robert Williams looked great, almost had a triple-double with blocks. Uh, so he's another bright spot for them. But I think that the Nets have too much star power, too much firepower. Um, and, you know, they're improving defensively. Um, but So I think the Celtics win one game at home, and I have the Nets in five. Now, moving on to the last game of Saturday, and that was the... Blazers versus the Denver Nuggets. The Blazers won 123 to 109, and this was a very close game till basically the end of the fourth quarter when uh, Damian Lillard uh, took over. So classic Dame Statline had 34 points, 13 assists, and you know a bunch of three pointers to end the game, clutch three pointers, uh, and you know along with Dame's monster performance, five other Blazers were in double digits, which is very impressive. Um, and, you know, everyone on the Blazers, I think, played well offensively. Norman Powell did have trouble shooting the ball, but, you know, he ended up being in double digits. Uh, Carmelo Anthony had a great game um, in Denver. Um, but, you know, I am concerned uh, with the defense. This is one of the worst defensive teams. Um, they were one of the worst defensive teams in the league this year, but made up with that further um, offense. And they're definitely, I think, the second worst defensive team, maybe even the worst. The Grizzlies have been playing pretty great offensively recently. Um, and so, yeah, that I think is going to be an issue for them, um, I think, in this round and if they make it um, if they make it past the Nuggets for rounds to come. Uh, the MVP frontrunner, Nikola Jokic, he played great like usual. He had 34 points and 16 rebounds. I, he is my, actually, I don't want to spoil that. That's going to be coming out uh, soon, my award picks. But he uh, is a MVP frontrunner and had and played like one. Uh, and then you had Michael Porter Jr. He had 25 points, which is exactly what the Nuggets need from him. Uh, but he shot 10% from the three-point line, shooting one for 10. That's definitely not what they want. If he had just made a few more, the game might have uh, been different. And then you had Eric Gordon, who they trade for at the trade deadline. He had 16, Monte Morris with Monte Morris with 10. So just a pretty, not mediocre, but not amazing performance, kind of in the middle uh, uh, by this Nuggets team. They just, they, they couldn't really stop Damian Lillard. Um, they had, you know, Will Barden has been injured, and they don't really have anyone defensively to stop him. But nevertheless, I think that the Nuggets do actually win this series in seven games. Michael Malone is one of the best coaches in the league, and I think he's going to find a way to lock up Damian Lillard, not to say lock up, but slow him down and take advantage of that uh, poor, poor defense, uh, defense that the Blazers have. So my pick for Nuggets in seven. Now, moving on to the Sunday games. Uh, it was the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Washington Wizards, and the Wizards took a game, not the Wizards, excuse me, the 76ers took a game one W, beating the Wizards 125 to 118. Um, I think after watching this game, I think that the 76ers are going to have the possibility to sweep uh, the Wizards. You know, to start off, Joel Embiid, um, in the beginning of the game, he had uh, some foul trouble, uh, but when he did play, he was absolutely unstoppable, especially towards the end. 
Um, he was playing, it was barbecue chicken out there. He was playing against these, I don't want to say bums, but like he was playing against Alex Len and Robin Lopez. He had 30 points, which is not so crazy, but 30 points in 30 minutes. Again, I mentioned that he had foul trouble. He couldn't play, you know, every single second that he usually does. Uh, but he had 30 points in 30 minutes. That is incredibly efficient. And, you know, if he played more, he could have maybe dropped 40, 50. But, you know, I think that Alex Len and Robin Lopez are not going to be able to stop Joel Embiid. And, you know, if you are able to stop Joel Embiid, you have to play against Tobias Harris, who had, again, game one, a, a playoff career high with 37. And then you have other shooters and, you know, Danny Green and Seth Curry, who, you know, came back into the game after leaving in the second quarter and then, you know, had 15 points for the game. So all those, you know, players are going to, of course, help the 76ers. But I think one of the most important players is Ben Simmons. And, you know, if you look in, if you look, if you're, if you're a fan who only looks at how many points a player scores and then determines if they had a good game or not, then I think that you need to be, you know, looking a little deeper into, you know, maybe watching the game or looking into the box score. So if you just looked at the points, you would see, wow, he had six points. That's really bad for a player, uh, you know, as highly talked about as Ben Simmons. Not only did he only have six points, he had he shot six free throws, and guess how many he made? Zero. He missed all of his free throws. So yeah, that is terrible if you uh, on the offensive side. But... If you look at you know at the whole game and you look at you know deeper into the box score, he had 15 assists and he had 15 boards and he had a steal and he had a block and most importantly hit a plus minus of 18. Meaning when he was on the court, when Ben Simmons was on the court in Game One, he the, the 76ers outscored the the Wizards by 18 points. That is a amazing plus minus, and I think that that just shows the the defensive you know prowess and defensive, you know, pressure that Ben Simmons puts on this Wizards team and how he is able to facilitate for um, his teammates offensively with those 15 assists. So I'm a big fit Ben Simmons fans, as you can probably tell. So I think he had a, he had a great game. Uh, and, you know, Beal had his usual 30-plus. Russ had 16 points and 14 assists. Um, I think that the Wizards are, they're simply just the worst team. They're, uh, they're undermanned. And I think that uh, they actually, I, I'll give them one game. Uh, maybe game two or, or game three uh, or game four. Yeah, but <laughs> um, but I give them, yeah I give them one game and I have the 76ers in five. Now moving on to my not necessarily favorite but the game that I'm going to talk uh, about the most and that is the Suns versus the Lakers. Game one in Phoenix, first playoff game in ten years for the Suns or for eleven years. Uh, the Suns arena was going crazy, um, and that led them to a 99-90 to win against the Lakers. So I don't want to necessarily say I am a uh, Lakers fan, but I'm a big fan of LeBron, um, so of course I'm rooting for the Lakers uh, this playoffs. Um, and so as a LeBron fan, I'm not really worried about this Game 1 loss at all. And so just to start off, as LeBron said in 2018 when he lost Game 1 to the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, he said that Game 1's historically for him had just been a feel-out game. He reads the defense, how they're playing him, how they're playing his teammates, and that's exactly what he did this game. You could see LeBron was not as aggressive as he usually is, trying to get his teammates going, definitely Anthony Davis, who we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Um, but yeah, it's a feel-out game for him. And, you know, I'm not worried at all that th that they're going to lose this series. In all the series, in all the playoff series that LeBron has lost game one, 
He has come back to win the series 60% of the time. The rest of the league is only 20%. So it's tr- he is, his chance to lose game one and then win the series and move on to the next round is triple what the rest of the leagues is. That is, shout out to Colin Coward for that stat, but that is just amazing. Um, and, you know, I took away from this game a few necessarily, not necessarily positives, but, you know, yeah, I would say positives as a LeBron fan to not get nervous. To start off, well, to start off, I already explained LeBron not as aggressive. That's going to change in game two. Um, next, Anthony Davis had his worst game as a Laker. Not even close. He had his worst game as a Laker, and they only lost by nine. AD shot 31% from the field and scored 13 points with only seven rebounds. He's averaging 21 points a game for the season. So that's seven less points and only seven rebounds as the center, as the power forward. So AD had his worst game as the Laker, and they only lost by nine. That's not going to happen again. He's going to come back game two kick their butts, game three, also game four, bam, they're going to win this series. Easy. Next, LeBron scored 18. I already talked about this, but just go a little bit more in depth. His playoff points per game, LeBron's playoff points per game in his career is 29. He scored for game one, 18 points, 11 less points. LeBron knows the defenses they're running on him now. They know who he's going to guard. They know that they're going to double team him. They know, he knows who's going to be open, and and he's going to be able to take advantage of that uh, in game, specifically in game two and for the rest of the series. And he's going to be more aggressive, and he's going to get back to his 29 points per game scoring. Another positive. The Lakers shot 26% from three, and they only lost by nine. Lakers, a solid three-point shooting team, not one of the best, definitely not one of the worst in the middle, shot 26% from three and only lost by nine. That's going to improve again. Next, they held the Sun, the Lakers with the number one defense in the league, held the Suns to 99, po- to 99 points while their season average was 115. So they held the Suns under, they, they held the Suns 16 points under what they usually score. And I know the scoring is going to go down because of the playoffs, but still, scoring, nine, scoring less than 100 points in the modern NBA shows that the defense was really, really great, and that is the Lakers' defense. They have the statistically best defense in the league, and that is going to help them for the series to move on. Uh, that is going to help them in the series moving on. Uh, and then let's talk about the Suns a little. I have to give credit to Devin Booker. He played like it was his first playoff game. It was his first playoff series. He played like it was his 100th playoff game in his 10th playoff series. He was amazing. He he, he killed the Lakers. Him and Aiden uh, easily outplayed uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis all game. And Chris Paul had eight assists, a few rebounds, uh, I think six points. And, you know, he had that shoulder injury. He did not look good. Um, he could not get the ball up. He couldn't shoot and he couldn't dribble. He was turning the ball over and, you know, wobbling dribble the whole game. You know, I hope he's fine. I don't like injuries for anyone. But just for the sake, if he is not going to be able to play at the level that he usually does. I think the Suns are, do not even have it close to a chance because uh, their leader is going to be gone, and that's just going to mess up with the Suns uh, mentally. I think that the, uh, the Lakers, with all these reasons I gave, Lakers fans and LeBron fans don't have to be worried. I think the Lakers are going to win this series in six or seven games. It would be way too bold of me to say five games. I don't think the Lakers win four in a row, but I think they win You know, two Suns win one, and then the Lakers win the next two and move on to this next round. Now, moving on to the next game, and that was the 
Atlanta Hawks versus the New York Knicks, probably the, the best game of the first round so far. Uh, a 109-107 Hawks win. I think this is going to be the best series of the first round. Um, you know, the Hawks, it was going back and forth, back and forth, and then finally, Trey Young hit a floater um, uh, to... Uh, yeah, a floater with uh, less than a second left on the clock uh, to win the game. And uh, yeah, just to start off, you know, without talking about anything, the back and forth was amazing and the energy at Madison Square Garden. I wasn't even there a lot. I wasn't even there in person. I was watching the game and I could just feel the amount of energy coming from that building. Uh, that was just great to watch. Um, and then, you know, talking about the Hawks, he had a, a Trey Young, again, similar to Devin Booker in his first playoff game. Um, you know, seemed like a veteran playoff performer with 32 points, 10 assists, and 7 rebounds. Um, so, you know, that was good to see for Trey Young. And, of course, he hit uh, the game winner. Then you had Bogdan Bogdanovich, who had 18 points in four threes. Um, you know, a good a bo uh, scoring boost. And then, surprisingly, uh, you know, Lou Williams had a great game off the bench, scored, uh, you know, 13 points. And, you know, those were extremely important points uh, because uh, I don't know. If you didn't watch the game, you would know. But most of his points came when the Knicks were on a huge run. I think they were up by nine. They're looking to, you know, take the game over. Lou Will came into the game, scored a quick six, um, and you know, uh, brought the brought the Hawks back into the game. Uh, then on the Knicks side, they had five players in double digits, but they all shot pretty in inefficiently. Uh, Randall played like he was uh, back on the Lakers. He shot um, extremely poorly from the field. Also, RJ, who shot 5 for 16, uh, he did have that monster dunk. Uh, but the only really bright spot of this Knicks roster, at least, were Rose and Alec Burks. Um, uh, you know, Rose had 17 off the bench. Alec Burks had 27 points, and he was basically keeping the Knicks in the game after the Hawks kept, you know, scoring and scoring and scoring. Um, and so I think the series is easily going to be going seven games. Um, I think... Yeah, that's my prediction. This series is going seven games. I don't know who's going to win. The Hawks can win easily. The Knicks can win easily. It's going to go seven games. That's for sure. That's my prediction. I, there's no way I can predict about who is going to win this series, though. Moving on to the last game, that is the Grizzlies versus the Jazz. This is probably the most, you know, I don't say boring, but just not interesting, you know, series because it's the Grizzlies and the Jazz. And, you know, it is the one versus the eight, and the Grizzlies didn't end up winning 100 to 12 to 109. But it's just two small market teams with not so crazy, interesting players. Um, you know, Morant and D Dylan Brooks did carry them, uh, carried the Grizzlies to this win. Brooks had a 31 points, Ja had 26, both uh, very good uh, performances in their first playoff, in their first in their first playoffs, um, and this game was very close, um, and I do think that, you know, um, well, first, you know, Conley played well, he had 22 points and 11 assists, 29 points for Bojan Bogdanovic, um, and so, yeah, it was close, but the Grizzlies ended up winning, I think that the Jazz are easily going to win this series, Donovan Mitchell is supposed to, he didn't play game one, but he is supposed to play game two, um, and he's, might, he could, he probably will be a little bit hobbled, but, you know, that's just going to take a lot of uh, pressure off other players on the Jazz, and I think that they're going to win this, uh, and we're going to win this series in six games. So that is the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much uh, for listening. Make sure to follow me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure to like this video. It helps the channel grow so much. Uh, and yeah, thank you guys so much for listening, and goodbye.